Hello everyone and welcome as we return to the world of Dune on the planet Arrakis. You have me once again, Duke Zinger, but I am joined by Baron Zach Harkonnen and his mentat, Piter Rob. Welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, I gave you the villain names. That's what you get for being on episode two of this thing. Well, I, I do have to say, Zenger, before you got on the call, I was asking Zach if I needed a name, and he was like, I don't know. I was going to be Rob Jabbar. That was my, what I came oh. up with. But I'm really glad that you actually gave me David Dastmalkian's character, because he was probably my favorite performance in the movie. He's so, like in it for five seconds. Right I, yeah, and he's the best performance in the movie. <laughs> Great. The, the, the positivity of the previous episode will be immediately outdone within the first 30 seconds of this one. I cannot <laughs> wait to continue. Zach, how do you feel about being uh, Baron Von... Z I mean, Baron Zach Harkonnen. He's flying Isn't away it? right now. I can see him. He's gone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a floating flat Batman. That's just why I am. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this. So so you, you two have... Um, persuaded me by a non-stop text campaign a few twitter things to discuss uh first the spider-man no way home trailer because that's a thing and then i guess we can get into talking about dune zach how much did they edit out of this trailer like how many oh, people God. are actually in this that we are not seeing because that fight where everyone's jumping at spider-man what's the lizard doing he's just kind of jumping into thin air doing nothing He's not just jumping in the thin air. He's getting kicked in the face by thin air. Whoa, even more detail. Do go on. In the Brazilian cut of the trailer, you can see him like getting thwacked in the face by uh, thin air, and it's kind of delightful. So who do, you think, who, who do you think will be magically put into that thin air later? Oh, God, I think it rhymes with Speederman. Oh, I was going to say Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. From what I've heard, there's only five villains in this. Like they are deliberately keeping their powder dry for a, a Sinister Six movie. Still, so this is like almost ten years later. I I feel like it's it's almost intentional how like they are trying to avoid this. And isn't Andrew Garfield like losing his mind over everyone bothering him about being in this movie? Poor Andrew Garfield just keeps getting asked questions about this, and he's like, "They have like my wife and kid with like a like a knife to their neck. Please stop." <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I'm like what what kind of NDA did you sign? I mean you are like keeping it I mean unless he really isn't in this, but I mean I've seen the behind the scenes shots. You can definitely see somebody with a terrible haircut in the background. So You have Alf you have Alfred Molina just being like, Yeah, I'm in a new Spider Man movie <laughs> He just he, like <laughs> He signed Alfred nothing. Molina is like I don't he's like what? What's an NDA? <laughs> So I, I have I have not seen this trailer yet. Uh, so I'm kind of catching up in real time. I I don't I guess I don't know where to look for this lizard thing, but this sounds pretty crazy. So is the is the idea that you guys are getting at that it looks like the lizards being hit, but no one's there, so they've yep. edited someone out of the trailer? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I mean like I mean like it's like literally comical. Like yeah. it is like him just getting thwacked in the face by nothing, and it's like, oh, it's like what they like the first time I can think of them actually doing this, like in a Marvel trailer. I think it was Age of Ultron where they edited out um, Elizabeth Olsen, Aaron, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Um, sure. It was like it's like that though, but like I know in the U.S. cut it, it's not there, but it, it's the Brazilian cut, oddly enough, like it's some South American country. Yeah, that's what I heard you mention, which I also find very strange. <laughs> it's very peculiar. It's. Uh, it's there like if you if you know where to look it's there but like it, it just makes you wonder what their thought process was i i don't yeah, know I'm, 
I'm, I'm excited for this. I can't wait to be whatever. I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know where they're gonna go with this, with this whole Spider-Man's. And uh, yeah, did you see the best part of the trailer, Zanger? Did you see the most like, like, like and by best I mean the worst? <laughs> that okay, the fact go. that like the climax takes place on the Statue of Liberty. And why they're scaffolding on the Statue of Liberty is that they're building, like they're adding a grafting on a Captain America shield to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> like, it's like it's the kitschiest thing ever, and I kind of hate insane. it, but love it. I know it's so stupid, and I love it. Like it gives me like a hundred percent flashbacks to uh, like OG X Men. I was Do about we get to say so- enough. Like, where is the shield going? That's my question. Like, is it replacing the torch? Is it replacing the um the tomes that she's holding? Like, tomes. where where is it's, this going? I'm pretty okay. sure it's the tomes. I'm pretty sure it's that. That's no, it's, wild. It's, it's, it's just gotta go on her it's back. It's just gotta go on her back, just so everyone knows. You would think that's the most like logical place to put it, but I guess no. It's not. It's too nuanced for Marvel. It, it, Why don't they just like take the torch away, put in Thor's hammer, put the shield on her back, get rid of the crown, put on Iron Man's helmet, just make it a monument to the Avengers now, right? Well, you know that's what they're gonna do, right? They're gonna like like the movies get them like blowing up the Statue of Liberty, and that and we'll rebuild it as like Iron yep. Man. There you go. Your dad, I think, is a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> because you cannot have a Spider-Man movie in the MCU with without having the haunting vision of <laughs> Tony Stark floating behind. Poor uh, Tom Holland at all times. Yep. Oh yeah. So this is this is be a great reminder of the fact that you let him die, Tom Holland. But eh, whatever. Okay, moving on to something more relevant, I guess. Um, so all of us have watched Dune. Now it's been a month, as Zach very very vocal, very much vocalized earlier. Um, Zach, you are the only one of the three of us to see it in theaters. Am I correct with that, Rob? Yeah, I watched it on uh, HBO Max. Ah, so you watched it at home like normal people. Got it. And um, <laughs> I, I am a little jealous because, I mean, to be honest, I this this movie screams big, big, big screen appeal. But before we get into this, I do want to ask the question, did you read the book? Uh, I did way back in high school, even before I knew Zach. So I probably read it in like 2007 or something. Whoa. Um, I don't remember the most about it, but I remembered like the big bits and pieces. And I'm sure there's some aspect because I've, of course, also seen the David Lynch version of Dune where I'm kind of blending some of them together. But yeah, I have I have read the book and I do own the book still. All right. Um, Zach, what about you? I have never read the book. Uh, I have seen the David Lynch film. That is, and I have seen a documentary based on the hallucinogenic remembrance of a madman who tried to make a movie on this in the 1970s. Uh, yes, that might be where other parts of my Dune knowledge have been filled in over the years. Listening <laughs> to Yodorowsky complain about it and, and all the other people in that documentary say how it was an infeasible project. <laughs> so... Um, I, I guess, unlike the other record, I am more free to talk about the book because I do not have someone in the process of reading the book on the record, so I will not have to worry about spoiler stuff. But, as we do on Zingness, I need your guys' three favorite moments, and I'm going to let Zach go first. Zach, what were your three favorite moments from the movie? And, by the way, they can all not be the end credits. 
Um, my favorite moment is the end credits. Um, my second favorite moment is when the movie began because I still had hope for this. Um, and my third favorite moment, and I'm saying this ironically, is the part where Jason Momoa is just like flying around in like, like a oh god dragonfly ship, and they're just like awkwardly shooting at him. And I audibly exclaimed to the theater, "This is terrible." <laughs> Were you there opening night for the I movies? Was. I was there. Okay, I was there Thursday night. Like, yeah, man. Like, I was there. Like, like I was showing my support for Denis Villeneuve. All right. So, what was so, the uh, crowd size? I got. I just got to ask Zinger. What was the crowd size like? I don't think I ever asked you that, Zach. Was uh, it good? I would, I would say at least three quarters for. And again, okay. I saw it opening night in IMAX. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. IMAX. I forgot about that too. Impressive. So forty-five minutes. <laughs> to look at sand. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sand and spice. Yep. <laughs> All right. The spice doesn't even flow. That's the worst part about this movie. The spice didn't even flow. Well, you were not drinking pumpkin latte, sir. Rob, what about you? What are your <laughs> top three moments? <laughs> I hope that Dune played at an Alamo draft house somewhere and they had like the, the spice melange latte or something like that. <laughs> oh, that would have been beautiful. <laughs> yes, that had to happen. Okay, so... So my fate there I have one absolute favorite moment in this movie and it because it summed up exactly how I felt while watching this movie. So I watched it pretty close to when it came out. I think maybe that Friday night or Saturday night after it popped up on HBO Max. And you know I'm I'm watching it it's got grand visuals which I'm sure we'll get into, but for the most part I'm pretty unengaged. Like I'm kind of just like mm not a lot's happening. It's very slow moving. They're setting up a lot of stuff and I get that this is part 1 and all that stuff. But as as the story kept going, I just got less and less into it. Like it was it was almost difficult to pay attention because when there wasn't a grand visual or some great music coming in, I was just watching Timothy Chalamet like not making a single facial expression the entire movie. And I was just like, oh, I became very, very unengaged. There's a scene in this movie after um, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, what, Duke Leto, uh, Duke Leto Atreides is captured by Baron Harkonnen and the scene starts where Baron Harkonnen's at one end of like the big dining hall table. Oscar Isaac is at the other end, and Oscar Isaac is naked, slumped back, staring blankly at the ceiling. And I went, that's it. That's exactly how I feel watching this movie. And I love when a movie has a character feel the same way I do while experiencing it. So that, naked, that scene was great. slouched <laughs> back in a chair, having an, a giant man eating on the other side of a table. And ready to bite down on the cyanide tooth at any moment. <laughs> but I love that scene. It encapsulated how I felt about the movie. But at least my unengagement. Like, I, I, I did not get enticed into this world of Dune um, like I have gotten into other sci-fi epics and stuff. So that's definitely my, my first favorite scene. Um, I, I guess my other favorite scenes... Oh, I'm trying to think. I... I kind of, like, loved the fact that the Herald of the Change, the guy who shows up and says, like, the Atreides are now have to go to Arrakis, you know? That's played by Benjamin Clementine. He's a great, like, songwriter and spoken word poet. It was really neat to see him in a movie. And then I think my my third favorite moment, I don't want to double with you, Zach. I don't, don't want to take the end, the end credits. So I'm going to do something that you didn't get to see, Zach. Since I watched it on HBO Max, after the end credits, there's the little HBO Max bumper, and then the file actually ends. <laughs> So I really like that bumper. <laughs> okay, so I, I I messed up. Obviously, I should have had Eric on this episode. 
<laughs> because he was kind of lukewarm to this, while me, Ellie, and the Rudes, because there was two of them on, were all about this. He was parroting your guys' stuff on there, and I'm like, I, I after Rob, you started talking. I remembered you did describe that scene perfectly oh, when yeah, you were yeah, on a previous we record. Yeah. And Zach has been kind of blase about his opinion of it so i'm like well i can tell they probably it's this is probably going to be the yin the yang to the yin of the previous episode so i i do want to have this i mean i'm i i will faithfully defend this movie um gom jabbar in hand against you guys so we'll we'll <laughs> see how this goes but um but no i mean you i i, I want to get in this i want to hear your guys response i wish i had eric on because he was like the lone voice of like i'm i it was meh, where the rest of us are like, this was amazing. So, uh, my three moments, just to remind people, uh, Baron Harkonnen, just every scene, just every scene with him. Just awesome. Just a good villain. Loved it. Great. His introduction, very, um, 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 Marlon Brando, Apocalypse Now. Loved it. Loved it. Great. Great stuff. Uh, my other one is, as was said earlier, the scale. Even though I was watching this on a computer screen i mean the scale of this i cannot i i i envy zach for being able to see this in imax i i truly envy you because the scale the level of stuff and i will get into a star wars reference later is phenomenal and then finally i when i read the books or audiobook the books if ellie's not around to point out i don't read his audiobook everything um I was wondering how they were going to do his prescience, his ability to both exist, his, his mind exists past, present, and future all simultaneously. Mm -hmm. There was a moment where I think I could point to and be like, someone who has read the book, someone who knows a little bit about this world, this moment is a mixed message, and I don't know how to take it. And there was a definitive vote on the other record for this, so I'm going to see what you guys think. One hour, seven minutes, and 23 seconds in the movie, Paul says the line, I recognize your footsteps, old man. This is when he first gets spice into his face when they're trying to save, when, when they're trying to save all the people off the uh, spice harvester. And then okay. there's like a jump move to all of a sudden... Um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Thanos is grabbing him. There. There you go, Zach. Um, <laughs> is grabbing him. Who is he referring to with that, in your guys' opinion? Oh God, I would. I, I don't even think I caught up on that line. Um, well, here's yeah, the other God. good thing. Not not a target Zach in. It was beneficial to have subtitles on. For, for just because because there isn't as much whisper talking as the um other one but there's a lot of very softly said things okay i did uh, not hallick, watch it with gurney hallick by, by by the way not Thanos. yes gurney yes so i did not watch it with subtitles um and probably my unengagement led me to not realize <laughs> that line but is is what you're saying zinger is that some, supposed to be something that's hinting towards the second part that, I, that's what it sounds well, like i i want to see was he because he referred to he's referred to gurney as old man a few times yes yes but the fremen word for the worms is shy halud which means old man of the desert 
And that's okay. when you're starting to hear the worm coming. So I think, in my mind, that's him having, like, the future, past, present, all at one time. And he's referring to the worm, not to Gurney. But you're made to think it's Gurney. Sure, sure. That's what my yeah, thought I, is. I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Is, is it? Is it? That's one of those moments where he's in, like, he's in the present, but his mind is grabbing something from his future to say then that's just yes. my opinion so i got i got you on board rob zach have i persuaded you or have you tuned out just like you did during the movie oh my god zanger not sure <laughs> um i at that point like i was beyond mentally checked out in the movie um <laughs> I'm glad there's this level of depth in it <laughs> that you have clearly discovered because I was not privy to any of this sitting in the theater for it. Okay. Well, I, I think, Zenger, you bring up a good point, actually, with that idea. I think this is – that could be something that's totally you know revealed and explained in part two because we have to remember this is, this is our good friend Denis Villeneuve. He wrote Arrival, and Arrival, the whole point is, oh, I speak a language that makes me see all of time at once. And he's just like, people liked it there. Let's do it again in Dune. I could totally see that happening, Zenger. Well, it's something I was trying to figure out, and, that, and that, that's why it makes my top favorite list, because we're still just talking about my favorite moments, is because that moment in the movie, I truly sat there and went, I think this is them seeding that. Because there sure, was the part sure. earlier where it's like, oh, he he did his boots this way or he did this. But I'm like, how are they going to portray him seeing past, present, and future without having an instant flashback there? Because there are the times where you see him um, fighting the one guy, like like them are they're, they're friends or you know Shawnee's killed. Like you see the possible futures then, but this moment it didn't cut away. It kept you in the moment of him being there and that's why i was like i think this is how they're going to do it and i love it i'm i'm on board for this and zach not only checked out during the movie but checked out during my explanation so i am completely on board with my top three moments i'm glad i'm glad staying solidly locked in so speaking of favorite moments i already asked you guys if you had read the books uh, Zach, will you read the books after seeing the movie? What has this portrayed you? Persuaded you to pick up a book or possibly uh, the audio book? Uh, audibletrial.com slash this. Absolutely not. If anything, this movie pushed me further away from wanting to read the book. But, but would you go to audibletrial.com slash this? Are you finally sponsored? I've been sponsored by Audible forever. I just never that, talk about that. it. <laughs> <laughs> i will sign up for an audible trial and not use the zangness uh, uh link that is a good call all right so there are a lot of character actors there's mcu there's dceu there's multiple amounts of people in this who was one of your favorite characters either the character in the movie or the random actor they decide to be like hey can you just show up for a paycheck Oh, well, I, I guess I should go first because I already mentioned mine's David Dastmalkian as uh, the mentat of House Harkonnen. Like, you're right, Zenger. He's in, like, three scenes, but I love David Dastmalkian. And I guess he didn't have too much to do, so I didn't have a, a lot to latch on and dislike about him or anything like that. <laughs> so two things real quick. One, in the book, he does, it, he does even less. Like, he does even – he's talked about a lot, but he does even less in the books. He okay, basically I, I shows up to, to die. Yeah, I was trying to remember that because I haven't rewatched the David Lynch Dune in, you know, maybe seven years, six, seven years or something now. 
um, maybe even a little longer. But I didn't really remember who was playing the House Harkonnen Mentat in that one. Um, whoever you, Peter DeVries or for whatever it's pronounced. Pyre DeVries. Um, so I, I figured, you know, I know he's in it. Like, I remember when I look at the picture on, like, uh, on Wikipedia, it's the picture from the David Lynch version. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I don't remember him being in a whole bunch of it. I don't know. Am I wrong about that, Zach? Or do you not remember either about the David Lynch dune? Uh, I, I do not remember. Okay. He's the dude with the – it's kind of weird because in the David Lynch dune, he has the most hair and the biggest eyebrows. Oh, and in this okay. one, he is totally bald. <laughs> I know. I, I... – <laughs> They went the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, no, David Dalsmalki is great, and I love seeing him in, in things. If I think it's called uh, All Creatures Here Below, a movie that he wrote and starred in. It's really good. I would recommend people check that out. Uh, also, he was in the Suicide Squad as Polka Dot Man, so there you yes, go. Yes, he's Polka Dot Man. Isn't he the guy who shoots Commissioner Gordon or tries to shoot the mayor in the Dark Knight? I know he's in the Dark Knight. Um, sure. He's one of like the Joker's cronies. He's in Blade Runner 2049, so of course Denis Villeneuve has used him before. But no, he's good. He's just he's got a weird looking face. He has weird delivery. He's just a compelling screen presence. He's also in, of course, the Zach's favorite MCU movies, the Ant Man movies as well. Oh God. Oh yeah, he's one of the the uh, thief friends, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. There you go. That gives there. me a little a little higher. Uh, respect for ant-man not much but a little higher that he's in there <laughs> uh this is something i did forget to mention in the original record since i have the opportunity since it's one of the few scenes he's in um where they're on the one planet and god i'm forgetting everything now the sar the the, the sarconan um where, where, it's, where it's got the um the throat singing the tube and throat singing going oh sh sure, sure god that is a great scene and it's one of those things. It's like so weird because it's just like this, 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 these two guys walking around, them talking in some you know alien language. Got a throat singing in the background. People are wiping blood. I'm like, oh man, this is really great. You're showing that these guys are like badasses by doing nothing to show they're badasses, but they wipe blood on each other in the middle of a downpour while tube and throat singers <laughs> are going. That's the one thing that irritated me. There's moments where it's like. You did show, but you never told. So me reading the books, I get what you're doing, but someone who's never read the books is gonna be like, "What the crap?" So um, well, Zach... I I, I kind of know what you're saying there, but with that whole scene, that that scream to me is you know Denis Villeneuve, or maybe even not him, maybe a studio note. That whole thing of like getting the um that armed like the Sadakar or whatever they're called, like getting them ready to go invade Arrakis. I'm just like. I would bet you there's six scenes like this in Game of Thrones. I know there's scenes like this in Lord of the Rings. Like, this is just medieval fantasy again. Like, we have to go out and go to war, so let's put the blood on us and, you know, ah, that type of thing. What's it when they, like, I, and so I'm just like, I've seen this before, you know? It's interesting. It's compelling with the music, but I'm just like, okay, now we're doing this. We're hitting this beat of going off to fight the big battle, you know, the fantasy element of this. And that's the stuff where I'm like, come on, I've seen this before, you know? And don't get me wrong, I know Dune is very original in a lot of the sci-fi epic aspects, but this came off to me as uninspired. Well, it's a, it's also a high fantasy, because, I mean, we're not sitting here and we're not going to talk about the fact, I mean, I don't know, the worms are basically metaphors for dragons and everything, because they hide uh, bridges and this, that, and the other, and, you know, somebody who's trained enough can ride the... Oh, wait, they are metaphors for dragons. <laughs> My bad. Zach, favorite character or random actor in this movie since you, you, you guys on your on your um show go into the actors as well and I just cannot remember either the actor or the character. So go ahead. Who do you got? Who do you got? 
I, I don't know if I have a favorite character or actor. You can't like, say the, the credits. The credits is not a character. <laughs> <laughs> is the spice a character? Can I choose the spice? Um, oh, God. Like, that's the thing. Like, there, there, there was no redeemable aspect of this movie for me. Like, not Skarsgård? Floating around, no. being being all evil and shit? No! Have you seen... Da- Zenger, have you watched David Lynch Dune? I... Okay... I, I was seeing how long I could keep this this hidden. I made it to Patrick Stewart showing up and then getting in Tron armor, hit the space bar to stop it, and walked away from the computer. Because I was like, nope, not in for it today. Are you kidding me? That's how far I got. scene in the movie. I, <laughs> now, then, the first scene is the worm. Or the, the space thing shows up in the jar, and then I think the next scene is goes to Paul or something, right? I, I it's, it's barely any... Uh, yeah, no, that's um, that, that's one of the... Um, the the spacing guild like people who've done way too much spice yes that's what that is <laughs> um ellie has seen it multiple times by the way and i i will speak for eric eric has said before he he'll be watching it and be like huh this is a really weird tremors movie um <laughs> but ellie has seen it multiple times i i got to that point and i'm like you know what i'm gonna have to come back to this I have no idea, Zenger, how you cannot like I okay. My answer to your question, Zenger, is everybody should go watch the nineteen eighty four Dune because it's infinitely more entertaining than this. But is it entertaining is because it's good? Or is it entertaining because it's a cinemodity? Hashtag your Does podcast, hashtag Does here we'll put it. Does it matter, Zenger? Does it matter why it's entertaining? I wasn't bored. I didn't audibly exclaim during the nineteen eighty four film, this is terrible. I did. I, I went I, done and got up and walked away. <laughs> I do want to see that. Uh, say that the last time I saw this, it was actually in a little art house theater when I was in uh, Athens, Ohio, and they were having like every Friday they played a different David Lynch movie leading up to Halloween, and the second one they played was uh, Dune, and so I brought my friends to see it, and it's a pretty not a big theater, but you know it was crowded because it was like oh this special event is happening. It was a great experience for the entirety of David Lynch's Dune. The whole audience was laughing at it, and it was a lot of fun. So I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. <laughs> like, I, I feel alcohol or actual spice needs to be used to enjoy it. That That is a lie. It's called, if you, if you enjoy not being bored, then yes. But no, I found I, this I, entertaining. I have no idea. I, I am. I'm glad for everybody who likes this movie, but this feels like like a Blade Runner 2.0, in that people are just deluded themselves into enjoying this movie. It's like, why do you like it? Because it's like, okay, and it's like because it does things. I'm like, that's everything. Everything does things. It's like it's a different. It's the ultimate spec like uh, instance of substance over. I'm sorry, style over substance. That's what this movie is. Okay. So I I have a I have a thought about that. Why this movie seems so divisive? Because that's what I've been finding with my friends as well. You know, out here in Colorado, and they're because everybody saw Dune, of course. But Zach, we have to acknowledge that you might just be forgetting that she's in this movie. Your favorite character is Rose the Hat, as Rose the Hat. I don't even want no. I don't even want to talk about that bro, <laughs> woman. The Hat. It's not even Rose the Hat. It's Woman the Hat. Jeez, Rob. Yeah, what about, okay. What, about, uh, what, what am I missing? Oh, okay. Like, Zanger, where are we doing the Zang this episode on Doctor Sleep, where all I do is talk about how um, every copy of Doctor Sleep should be put into like, like, oh god, a space shuttle and launched into the sun? No, because then it has a chance of missing and falling onto an alien planet and causing them to invade us for making something so terrible. 
Zach, exactly. yes, I was about to say, that's the start of Thanks Killing 3. Remember they send all the copies of <laughs> Thanks Killing 2 into space and one of them comes back and it causes a bunch of problems? <laughs> We've learned from Thanks Killing 3. We need to put them in, like, the E.T. Atari trash hole or something like that. <laughs> it's like that episode in The Simpsons where they, like, it's like, oh, God, Zach, you probably remember this, where that person's like, uh, he's like, oh, who would have thought that someone would ever want, like, naked pictures of Whoopi Goldberg, and he throws them into the bottomless pit, and then, like, it just appears back up. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't like Rose the Hat, Zach, if you don't like Zendaya, if you don't, what about, at least Every Charlotte Rampling's in here for a scene, right? That's not the worst thing. The Gomja Bars might be my favorite, might be, like, one of the most compelling scenes in the movie that, you know, is, like, just pure, like, cin- cinematography and things like that, Where's I think. Where's Sting? I want and, to see Sting. And you've got David the Beast Batista. <laughs> he didn't do oh, well, anything. No. He just yelled. Yeah. Exactly. He's one of the worst actors in, in existence. <laughs> he was perfect. Can I, launch him into the, can I make him the pilot of the, of the like, space shuttle that I launched Dr. Sleep into the sun? I want him piloting it. But 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 you got Josh Brolin in this. You're... He didn't do anything. He just grits his teeth. He does things. Smile, Gurney. I am smiling. I'm like, fuck you, movie. I'm sorry, Sanger. Okay, no, no. If that was said by Harrison Ford to Chewie, you would have been like, best moment in Star Wars I ever. I would have, because Harrison Ford doesn't care. He's like, JJ, just drop it on my head this time, as opposed to my leg. <laughs> I wish I could drop a door on this movie. So you're saying that Jason Momoa was not captivating as Duncan Idaho. He's Aquaman in this. He literally does, like, the man, and he sits there just, like, he locks a door so he can kill a bunch of people. I'm like, why couldn't you just lock the door and run away? Like, Okay, what? that's something you don't ask a lot, Zenger. You don't ask our least favorite scenes. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> the, the worst scene in this movie is when uh, Jason Momoa, like, he he run takes his spear or whatever the hell he has and runs past the door and he like turns around and he does this weird salute thing to Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet is like I don't know wasn't paying attention and isn't realizing that he's about to sacrifice himself. So he runs up to the door. It closes too late. This is all show not tell. But then they the movie makes the decision to have one of the other character goes. He locked the door from the other side and it's like yeah I got that. Nobody needed that explained to them. We know what's happening in the movie, and it is one of the most offensive things. And that's why I contend, I used to really like Denis Villeneuve. He is a terrible writer. He is a great cinematographer. His he, The stuff he writes is pretty bad most of the time. Because it's that this? blatant. Oh, he did write this too. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. I will, can I say my favorite moment in this movie is, is go watch Sicario. Because that's an actually competently made movie. No, go watch Enemy. That's a great movie. <laughs> pretty much anything he made, what, Rob, before Arrival? Uh, Prisoners is like, eh. And I don't know if this, the school shooting movie he did, uh, Polytechnique, is really rough. Like, really rough. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Have you guys seen, like, August 32nd on Earth? Like, his really early films or anything like that? I have not. I've okay, not. Those are, I'm trying to see if I've are... seen anything that's not this. <laughs> some of those nope. are rough but like enemy is fantastic like sicario i know zach loves a lot more than i do that's pretty good um prisoners is okay and then arrival is I, one of the dumbest things i've seen in my life and i will we'll have to do that one day so i can you know fight to the death of why i think that movie's ridiculously bad Ooh, is he doing a cleopatra movie 
sounds sounds like he, he could be doing anything, you know? <laughs> they're going to revive Elizabeth Taylor back to life. Perfect. <laughs> they're going to animate her corpse. All right. Um, I, I had a nice segue earlier, but but Rob ruined it. Um, I did, <laughs> but I, I wanted to, because you guys were talking about this. This was something I noticed, because, you know, like, Zenger and I, we saw it at home, you know, on our TV screens. Not, like, small TVs, I would imagine, but... I, I was, uh, you know, able to see everything. Everything was in focus. Zach saw it in theaters. From the people I've been talking to a lot, it seems like, you know, the ones that really, really loved it did see it in theaters. And then the ones that, you know, were a little more eh to negative on it, like I am, saw it at home. Of course, that's not a 100% rule because we have the flip with you guys right here. You know, Zach yep. saw it in theaters, didn't like it. Zenger saw it at home. But I wanted to dive into this and and I was going through all the Letterboxd reviews and they seem polarized in this same way. Like I found a lot of reviews that were basically like, you know, if you didn't like this and you saw it at home, like give another chance, see it in theaters, that type of thing. And everybody who was like, you know, well, I didn't like it home. Why would I like it in theaters? It seemed like that was almost some type of wedge between the the reaction to this movie. I don't know, have you guys been hearing anything like that or maybe seeing that the same way, that more theater go goers liked it than HBO Max viewers? Well, I, I, I did forget we are talking Zygnus and now we do the tomatoes. So at the time of this recording, it is still certified fresh and 82% and the audience score is 90%. So I think that is 100% deserved. Okay. I mean, I, I don't really have faith in the aggregator that is Rotten Tomatoes. Period. No one does, but I'd like to point it out. <laughs> sure, sure. Understandable, understandable. I don't know what this get for, like, um, God, this is something I didn't write down. Like, the what the, uh, like, cinema score and stuff or whatever they do now, if they can do these things these days, you know? Metacritic and things like that. Do we know any of those? Nope. Because I don't look that up. <laughs> I go to see what the tomatoes look this up. I go to see what the tomatoes are and then walk away. <laughs> uh, apparently, got a seventy-four on Metacritic and an A minus on Cinema Score. That's insane. A minus, like that is diehards going out in theaters. I, that is pro that, that is the prime demographic going out in theaters. No more, no less. And that's this the is, other thing I'm thinking. Why that wedge that I was describing is there is because that everybody who saw the trailers for this movie and got really jacked up and excited for it, they automatically were like, this looks great, I want to go see it in theaters. Where I feel like the more casual people, and maybe this is something you can a answer, Zenger, I don't know, were you excited for this movie? Because I really wasn't. I was like, it's going to come out, I'm going to watch it, I'm not going to go spend money on it in theater, that type of thing. Were you, like, amped from trailers or anything prior to this release? I was lukewarm, to say the least. I okay. wanted to finish the book, which it took me over a year to do, because the first third of that book is the most mind-numbingly boring thing I have ever had to put myself through. But I once I literature like that. <laughs> but once I gotten a few things under my belt of like everything in the Dune Duneverse has like twenty different names for it, depending on who's talking mm -hmm. about it. And also the way the books portrayed, I kinda got it to where I'm like, okay. And then later on I did appreciate the fact they did a lot of world building. So I was just like it was one of those I'm more curious how they will put this to screen. Because everyone's like, Lord of the Rings was the most unfilmable thing of all time, unfilmable book, and this, that, oh, and, the sure. and it's like, no, yeah. it's not. It's very filmable. You did it. You did it real good. There's a lot of other stuff that it's like, it doesn't have a ton of internal dialogue that you can either have whisper talked the entire time, or you have to kind of do in the way they did here, where it has to have certain people spout exposition for no apparent reason. Also, um, 
as a side note, uh, Eternals is currently uh, 47%. So that is certified rotten. I, I, I enjoy Eternals infinitely more than Dune. Um, infinitely more. Infinitely also, more. Also, audience score 80%. I think that that score is deserved because uh, Kameo Namjavani should not be that in shape. Uh, there, I said it. He's We're not moving. in shape. It's called plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it's it, it is uncalled for to say the least um as somebody who's recording this podcast live from like a bicycle zanger you have every right to like, <laughs> like call shit i'm at the gym right now down. actually i'm currently lifting yes exactly is anybody who if anybody knows zanger even faintly knows what he's been going through the last few months zanger is allowed to call shenanigans on anybody's like fitness journey <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of am, actually. If, if you want to get down to it, I kind of am, because no one asked for that. And then we got it, and everyone was like, please stop. And he didn't. Anyways, <laughs> um, there, there was a side note. or and, and, and yes, Rob, I do agree. I think that this is a cinema experience. Like, I have been pondering going out in a hazmat suit so I can be able to go to the theaters and see this. But um, th th this is something that I do not think my computer screen, nor the TV screen, nor my sound system could do justice to. I Okay, okay. I'm going to push back on that. Push back, Zach. I, Let's have it. I, re I remember like one of my favorite theater-going experiences of all time was in November of 2013. Gravity came out, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, was starring Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. And of course it's I saw Clooney. that. Of course, George Clooney. And I saw that twice in IMAX. And I I remember, like, at the time, just being like, oh, God, like, like how will this hold up on, like, home video? Like, how? And I remember getting the Blu-ray, and, like, every time I watch that movie, I am on the edge of my seat. And that's the thing. Quality movies are able to withstand whether you watch them in IMAX or, like, on your phone. A good movie is captivating enough to suck you in. The the theater-going experience can enhance it, sure, but it does not make or break the movie. And that's the thing. I don't think that, like I said, somebody who, again, Rob can tell you, I think Zenger knows from how many years we've been recording together how much I value the theater-going experience. I don't think it makes or breaks any movie. But I feel with this one, because as I said earlier, the scale – like the scale of how big the ships are, the world, just that would be something I would love to see on the big screen. Like that would be cool because, as I've said before, one of the things, what, Zach, what is one of the things in Star Wars I love the most and just cannot get it? Like if you put it in, I automatically am like 100%. This is amazing. Can I answer uh, actually? Yes, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. In atmosphere star destroyers. And you know why I love in atmosphere <laughs> star destroyers. Because it gives um, it scale. I don't think I know. It's scale. <laughs> okay, okay. It is seeing this imposing thing over the city, seeing the scale of what these things, these war machines are, to what, like, you are nothing compared to it. In this movie, you had the worm, nothing compared to it. You had the, um, the Highliner spaceships, these giant ships that were able to transport, you know, entire fleets from one side of the galaxy to the other. That was awesome. The scale of this was amazing, and that's why I think it deserves the theater-going experience. I, I push, I push back on your pushback, Zach. We have met on middle ground. But I think that I, I think it comes down to like if you are 
enamored with it to begin with. Again, I think if you were to watch this in a theater, I don't think your appreciation would like quadruple. I think you'd be like, yeah, li- I like it. I don't think it would be like mind altering. I think you you it doesn't do anything. It's kind of like a if if, if you already think it's a ten out of ten, it's gonna bring you to like a ten point five. It's not gonna make it a twenty. That I'm glad you bring that up, that because that's that's exactly what I was thinking. The inherent like psychological notion of whether or not you like it the first time you see it, regardless of how you see it. Like you know, now that I've seen it at home, and yes, I agree with you, Zanger. I loved some of the visuals because, like I said, Denis Villeneuve should be a cinematographer. He he's great at that stuff. I but I didn't like the movie as a whole. So if I went and saw it in theaters, I might still be like, yeah, this looks good, but I, I don't really love it. You know, where it's as opposed to something if I watched this movie and loved it, like you said, Zach, and then went to the theaters, it would raise it a little bit for me. Not you know, make or break it or anything. But I think there is that inherent way of how you first react to it. Well, I have a I have a question. Have any of have any of you ever seen a movie on streaming or in Rob's case, illicit means, and then went to rewatch it in a theater afterwards? I uh, would like to give an example that Zach is going to completely roll his eyes about, and this is going to be fresh, Zanger, because I've never told Zach this. Oh boy! This this past hold on, hold on Tuesday, one, one second, one second. I'm making sure we are recording. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. We are definitely recording. I I uh, went this past Tuesday um, to a very special one-night showing of a movie I absolutely love that I had only ever seen on home media, Paranorman, for Flika's <gasps> 15-year anniversary. And I got to see it in theaters. I absolutely loved it. I openly cried in the theater because that movie makes me cry at the end of it every single time. And so, yes, Zach, I did very recently do that thing. <laughs> Also that's, check okay, out that's... check out um Zygnus's recent episode on Paranorman. Oh, it's such a good movie. It is. It's a really good movie. Would oh, love, love to it, see yeah. it in theaters. Anyways, Zach, give us your wrong opinion, please. <laughs> I asked the question and Rob answered. And don't uh, make me throw this hummus. It's spicy. <laughs> I saw Paranorman like in July of 2012. So like I have like it's been a while since I've seen that. Um no, I, I think it's that idea that, like, again, I, I remember two years ago, like, I saw, like, the Star Wars original trilogy in theaters, and I was just like, yeah, it's neat and all, but, like, it, like it, the movie either speaks to you or it doesn't. I don't – I think if you're inclined to like something, the theater-going experience um, isn't really going to do anything. Like, again, like, I think we talked about it, what, last year, Rob? Titanic, I saw that, like, during the uh, 100-year anniversary of the sinking in IMAX 3D. I was like, didn't really add anything. I got, I I think I got less enjoyment out of it than I would if I would watch it, like, on my own TV. Um, No, I I, I think the, I think the shock, the shock and awe works on the initial viewing. Um, and I think it kind of, but I think if it's reversed, like if somebody, again, I saw Titanic in theaters in 97, but I really don't have any memory of that because I was so young at the time. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things where like you, like if you are inclined, I think the spectacle works for the initial viewing. I don't think it works retroactively. I think that that is kind of like a chasing fool's gold. So do you think that that implies that, uh, the, well, I think, I think, uh, I, I know what you. I know what your idea on this is that you are more inclined for the theater going experience as the first time, where more people might just be like, "Yeah, I'll watch it at home on HBO Max for the first time." Like I, you're saying, you should go see it in theaters first to get the most immersive or or specific experience that the movie's trying to go for, 
not the other way around. It's see if you like it first and then check it out. I, I yes, like as somebody who's a proponent of the theater going experience, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think the material either speaks to you or doesn't. Um, sure. I think I think watching. I remember I saw the Suicide Squad via HBO Max in my home. And I was indifferent to that film. I don't think seeing it in a theater would have made it any more enjoyable or any less enjoyable. Um, I think it, the movie either speaks to you or doesn't. I use the term movie in the most broad way possible. Um, I, as Rob knows, I saw the Halsey – well, God, the Halsey, oh, yeah. whatever the hell it, <laughs> you want to call it, film in IMAX. And I was like, okay, and um, considering it's another HBO Max special, quote-unquote – uh, I, I think that's the thing. I think the material is either there regardless of the screen you're seeing it on. And I think that gets back to what I've said with uh, Gravity. It, it's 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 in, I don't want to say it's intrinsic. I don't think that's maybe the right word, but it's weaved into the fabric of it. The story, it, it comes down to story and characters. Um, my biggest problem with Dune 2021 is that it's a movie of telling, not showing. It's the idea that, like we're told these things like, oh, the Harkonnens are evil, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, we really don't see them do anything evil in this. Um, we're told that they're evil. Um, if we, when we saw like the Baron Harkonnen like suck the blood out of somebody's chest, um, that would be compelling. If only we saw um, Dave Bautista like squish a little like rat in a jar and drink him like a juice box. <laughs> um that's the thing like this movie is just telling us things we're never shown anything um and, and, and that's what i find so egregious is that it's a movie of just telling me why things happen there's really no reason for me to find any of the compa uh, characters compelling and uh, it's kind of shocking but at the same time it's not considering uh the world like like the world we live in when it comes to cinema okay um Justin Zinger, Zingness Podcast, going to push back uh, on Zach with this. Um, so you're saying that I should have gone to see the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League in a theater because I'm pretty sure that's considered a war crime to put somebody through that. <laughs> um, a, I know Hack Snyder has wanted to release that in theaters. That's why he released it in a very obscure the aspect ratio for streaming. Um, from my understanding, he hasn't released it in theaters yet. That is one movie that I like, I would not pay to go see it in theaters, but if they ever did, I would applaud them being like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Box office bomb. I don't, I don't know. Like hack Snyder's justice league is such a weird anomaly in like film culture. I wouldn't even know. I, I feel that's an apples to oranges comparison. Like I'm trying to think of another example of something that 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 has been exclusively released on streaming that hasn't been given the theater going speed like theater going uh, uh, exhibition that's on that scale. Uh, I, I would imagine maybe something equivalent does. Oh God, Rob, help me out here. Like, what's something that's been exclusive to streaming that's so high profile oh, that it didn't I got... get a, uh, a theater release? Ooh, Game profiles. of Thrones. Huh. Game of Thrones. They they, they that's did, like, TV. The view... That's TV. That's TV. Well, I don't it... count that. That's me a movie. Don't count that. TV is a is a, is a second rate medium. Don't count that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it got a lot of attention, but did Annette play in theaters? I don't know what that is. I that's the either. um. Oh my God. Oh. It's... 
that's the movie I was telling you about where um, Marion Cotillard and Adam Driver had a have a wooden baby as a pu- like a wooden puppet as their baby, <laughs> and it is the weirdest. It's an opera too, so it's all singing. I mean, the people I know who saw it, we, like we raved about it, but I don't know if I don't even know if that got a an, a theatrical release because I know it was, I watched it on Amazon. Ugh. <laughs> Did you look up the baby? No, 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 no. You just said I watched it on Amazon. That's kind of my response. Oh, well, I mean, that's where it was, you know, so. <laughs> um, I, I guess what made Don't look up the baby, though. Nobody look up the baby. Watch <laughs> the movie. It's pretty good, but the baby is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> uh, do do um, they know it's a wood baby? No, no, nothing in the movie acknowledges this. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I do have a few other questions, which I think we might have already answered, but I'm going to ask anyways. Do you think this is a science fiction or uh, fantasy mainstay? from here on out since a lot of pop culture and science fiction and fantasy have drawn from this over the years now that we have a another adaptation i use quotation fingers do you think that this will be a mainstay of the um genre i i think everybody's saying something like this or the discourse i've heard online but i think the answer to that question is totally dependent on what happens in part two right like this movie as it as its own thing can't inherently hold up because it is all set up it's all act one stuff so you're you're saying it has to stick the landing yes exactly because there there is something there there they try to have an emotional conclusion where you know paul becomes the man and kills that guy at the very end of this movie but then zendaya says this is just the beginning and i'm like oh no movie and then worm riding like exactly (laughs) And then it's just like, well, none of this matters yet. Like this is this Jessica's is maybe kind of why I was so unengaged is because I kn- I knew going into it that it was going to end at the halfway point of the book, pretty much. One and we third, were going to wait two, two, two thirds, two thirds of the way through. Oh, the they book. go a little. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's but it's basically I, about two thirds. Okay, I I'm with you. I think you just said it best, singer. The second movie has to stick the landing for this to be meaningful at all. And the the comparison I've been thinking of is. I think Kill Bill Volume 1 is a good self-contained movie, but it's clearly part one of something. And isn't that the story Tarantino wanted it to be like a five-hour movie at the start, and they told him no? And I think that's the difference. Dune Part 1 does not hold up unless we know what else happens in the story. I actually can watch Kill Bill Volume 1 and be satisfied. I don't need to watch the second half. But I don't think you can watch this this new Dune and and be fully satisfied. You I, might like it, like we said, the grandiose scale and that type of stuff. But the, like I remember when the Dune was released on HBO Max that we're talking about, of course, they hadn't even announced part two. And so I was nope. kind of like, is this just useless? They eventually did now, so we know it is going to come out, hopefully. But I was just like, is this just like them testing the waters if people would see this? It was very, It's a very strange scenario i think well there's there's also the thing too we got like put into play here is that this is like produced pre-covid um this this was meant to be like another like potential like spawn a franchise yes yes and they've got plenty to go from also there's supposed to be a hbo series that focuses on like the betty jesuits that's also within the same universe oh yeah like sisters of yeah. Of something I was reading about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing I, I will. I'm just like, oh god, because that's the thing. You're right, Zach. They're just pushing it all into franchise stuff now. Which this can be. This this is something that can be. It's not something that they're forcing a franchise into, like um, 
Good Omens is getting a follow-up, which I'm like, the book doesn't have one. Why are you franchising <laughs> something that... Why? That that wasn't meant for the... Why? Fight Club does not need a follow-up. Fight Club is self-contained. I'm sure there's other stuff. Star Wars, the original trilogy, did not need 7, 8, 9. It didn't need it. <laughs> well, here, here's my question to that respect is... I feel like like Star Wars is a good example as this this power phenomenal example franchise. Like every if you say, "Oh, I want to go watch the Star Wars movies," you're gonna have people that say, "You know, okay, you know, you either start with the prequels and then go chronologically, or you just okay, start with New Hope that. and do that stuff." But I I could totally imagine two years from now we're gonna be sitting here having a sim similar conversation. The 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 future to me seems like people going like oh man if dune part two is really successful and people like really love it and this becomes a franchise i would bet so many people are going to say oh man dune part two you don't really need to see part one you know watch a youtube summary i think this one is going to get left by the wayside because it's so so much set up uh you know i can see that and i also know that the dune books I, when, when I went to go read the books, I was like, wait, the actual Doom book is like Doom, is like book like 10 or something technically <laughs> in the order. And I was told this, the person who recommended and told me the reading order, they're like, if it's not done by Frank Herbert, don't read it. They sure, said, sure. read the Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor. They're like, read those ones. If you want to read more stuff, read it, but do not read the other ones first. You got to read that one because everything else came later. Which I guess settles my argument on Star Wars is you got to watch the original trilogy first. I, 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 I want to watch the them all. The dead <laughs> silence of Zach from the few Star Wars comments I've made, I think, is he, he is so I, shocked that he cannot respond. I, I This is the thing, though, about this. Like, this movie has already been, like, forgotten by the culture. Like, we are a month removed from its release. Nobody cares about this movie. I like, can't click on something no on the internet play. without seeing something about it. I, I don't care. It's it's the Avengers Endgame phenomenon. Give me a movie from the last five years that actually has some level of cultural resonance. It's like, I don't... It, it, it's weird how movies resonate now. Um, like, it's one of those things where, like... Oh, God, not to tie into uh, Cinematis, but, like, look at Into the Spider-Verse. That was a movie that was released in 2018. That has more staying power than, any than I would say, 99% of the movies that came out in 2018. Well, that's because yeah. it scarred people's corneas. It's so visually noisy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a hey, reason that got remembered because many people are still filing a class action lawsuit against how colorful and annoying that movie was. <laughs> hey, if, exactly. if, if if it wants to be remembered, there's there's a real good way to remember it by scarring <laughs> your eyes permanently with it. Yeah, that's another. That's actually a good point. My mom will never forget Cloverfield because it gave her motion sickness and she had to leave the theater. <laughs> I I agree. I will never forget it because I'm like, why did you? give the camera to the person who cannot hold a camera because the character's name was hud like heads up display and that's the oh only god reason. is that is that really <laughs> yeah the, the guy holding the camera oh. name is hud they call him hud the whole movie yeah it. It, it made it worse finding out that information just retroactively made me want to go punch myself watching that movie in the past <laughs> okay. okay i knew we'd have to come back to jj uh, abrams somehow right so <laughs> What okay? It's two part question. Biggest questions you have after watching this movie about the sequel? I'm gonna specify it with that because I'm not giving either of you the floor freedom of just biggest questions after watching this movie. 
Also, what are you looking forward to in part two now that we have it confirmed? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully like something happening. You know, I mean, like I felt like this two and a half hour movie was very sparse. It was more on the uh, the visuals and like uh, like summarizing this movie is pretty straightforward. And you know, it's like Harkonnens have to leave Arrakis. Uh, Arrakis the Atreides come in. It's a, it's like a, a re, not a revenge, but you know, like a, a double cross or something like that. The Sardaukar kill everybody except Paul and Rose the Hat, and then they find Zendaya, and it's like that. That's like five plot points, and I guess a bunch of other people die. Whatever. My, my question is in the second he, one. He's not wrong. It's, it's very simple. Yeah, I think that's another reason it was like very unengaged because it took so long to get to so many things. One of my big questions about the second one is, are they going to fix how bad Timothy Chalamet's head looks in that armor when the helmet pops off like Iron Man in his vision in this movie? Because, you know, when he has that vision and he's like, there's that whole big battle, and then at the end he like, he like supermans toward the camera and he like his helmet pops off and it looks like the worst CGI I've ever seen. Like it looks unfinished or something. Go are they going to Power fix that? Rangers. In this... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So that's what I want to know, if they're going to clean that up. Because they put that moment in the trailer, too, I remember. And I was like, oh, no, what is this? <laughs> it's like they they had the shadowing off or something. It just looks so odd to me. Uncanny Valley. I, I, th I think that's just Ch T Timothy Chalamet's career is just he, he looks human, <laughs> but is he? Um, <laughs> sure, sure. All right, Zach, what about you? Do, do you have any big questions after watching this? Or what are you looking forward to in part two? My biggest question is just because they announced part two doesn't mean it's going to happen. Remember, we got announced an amazing Spider-Man three and four and the Sinister yeah. Six movie. Um, it, it, until I'm sitting in the theater for it, I don't believe it's going to happen. Um, I do think they will make this movie, but I think they are going to do the it chapter two thing where like they're going to really lean into a lot of the criticisms and they're going to make this just a spectacle action movie, which is going to turn off a lot of the people who liked the, the first part. Um, as to what I want in this second movie, I, 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 I want it to be compelling, but I think that's almost impossible based on what I've seen from this movie. I like that. <laughs> I, I, you know what? It didn't work out to have the the big round table with everyone, but I'm glad it worked out this way to where we had the the super positive discussion, and now we have the like real world like you guys had rose tinted glasses discussion. Here's here's how it's gonna work. <laughs> I, the I also cynics do review. Say, I I hope that uh, in the second part in Dune Part Two, when we go through uh, part the part one. of the story. Or where um yeah when 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 we go through that part of the story where you know Timothy Chalamet becomes more um in league with the Fremen and stuff, there's a scene in David Lynch's Dune where Kyle MacLachlan goes to like ponder what's what he has to do with his future, and he says <laughs> he says in great great delivery, where are my feelings? And I I've like the whole theater when I saw that in that little art house theater in Athens erupted. It's so poorly delivered. It comes out of nowhere, and I can only hope they get Timothy Chalamet to say that line because I really want to know where his feelings are because I he does not make a facial expression in this entire movie. He has no emotion whatsoever. <laughs> well, neither does uh, Gurney. So I mean, no, like nobody that. does. Not even David Desmalkian, but that's what he's good at at least. <laughs> Poe Dameron has emotions. He gets mad. He does get mad. And, and naked. Is naked glass, in emotion. Yeah, glassy-eyed. Yep, yep. <laughs> is glassy-eyed in emotion? 
Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, Dave Bautista just screams. So that's that's an emotion, but that's also the only emotion he can do, you know. <laughs> can I please can we please have a moment of appreciating David Lynch Dune? Like, how much did David Lynch Dune come up in the last discussion, Zanger? Um. Okay. The final question for the last discussion, since I used that template for this one, is: Should Phil Rude watch David Lynch's Dune? And the answer is definitively yes. I mean, we agreed he should. We all agreed that we should watch it. It was just all the matter of getting us to watch it. Ellie was for watching it. Like, instantly. Like, she would just watch it on, like, a weekend. Phil, Austin, <laughs> myself, and Eric were all like, eh. Ellie, I'm pretty sure, might have walked down the stairs and started watching it for all I know. I have no clue. Okay, I want noted that, like, back in August, I bought, like, the newly remastered 4K copy of this movie, and it's Ew. delightful. Like, it. what do you mean, ew? <laughs> I, I don't think this movie deserves 4K. I don't even yes, th it think does. it deserves it's amazing. 1K. It's I get to... No, no. I'm going to flush every copy of Denise Villanueva's movie down the toilet. That's my goal in life. Uh, well, I personally don't know who Phil Rude is. Um... <laughs> But I guess I would say I don't think there's any movie in David Lynch's filmography that you should skip. You know, at least see them all once, it, especially Inland Empire's Act. <laughs> you beat the – Love you that literally, movie. You literally took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> like, especially Inland Empire. Go find the most, like, DVD 480p copy of Inland Empire <laughs> and just watch it ad on nauseum. <laughs> all right. Now I got – I'm like, have I watched anything, David Lynch, recently? Singer, have you watched any David Lynch, period? See, that's what I'm... I, I am looking into it. I am currently looking into it. Singer, how many times have you watched The Elephant Man? Not enough, apparently. <laughs> that is the correct answer. All right, let's see here. Features. Let, let's go to features. All right. Um, Racerhead, yeah, I haven't seen it. The Elephant Man, yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, Dune got uh, 17 minutes. Yet none of this. Seen none of wow. this. Man, Singer, you're a monster. Not even the straight story? No. Not even Mulholland Drive? No. Singer, how do you not watch Mulholland Drive? I've I've seen them mock Twin Peaks on The Simpsons. Does that count? <laughs> Singer, I think we should, we should lock you up in, like, cultural zeitgeist jail. Because <laughs> I, 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 I ignore your cinemodities. Zenger, I am going to make you watch Mulholland Drive. Remember the fact that we have we've already done that in Cinematis. You should have to watch Mulholland Drive. It's a good movie. <laughs> Why do I feel I like okay? Zenger, Zenger. This is the girl. The girl. This is the girl, Zenger. Okay. I don't know what we're getting at, but sure. It is the girl. I can uh, I can confirm that. Well, here okay. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Like I saw, I see the like poster, the image for this, and I can remember back to a time when video stores were a thing, and I saw this on the shelf. Yes, it was 2001. So yeah, like Blockbuster yeah. had a million copies of it. Well, we had perfect video, and um, movie stars was ours. We didn't. We, I grew up in a town that did not have a Blockbuster. That's how sad I grew a sad of an area I grew up in. Is this is this like you and your Toys R Us story where like the closest Toys R Us was like three mi like three hours away? I don't know where the closest blockbuster was, but we had perfect video. Oh Jesus. And um Man. movie stars. 
was the Sanger's like, I didn't have Blockbuster. I had Hollywood Video. <laughs> God, I wish we had that. But no, I mean, it It worked out. They, they had plenty of stuff. And then the the um, movie stars was like right down from the GameStop I worked at. So if I wanted to run a video game from there, it was $6.26 exactly for five days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's just like whoa. <laughs> but thanks to inflation, it would probably be like I don't know what six fifty now. Who knows? Zanger, uh, Rob, <laughs> Rob, wasn't there a David Lynch reference I could make? Oh, oh, right oh, wait. Get. The other great thing about there was uh, they 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 make popcorn to give you with your rental, and they'd always have too much. So then whenever I walked it walked by, they'd be like, "Hey, you want popcorn?" That's weird. What? Yeah, that wouldn't I got be allowed free popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really weird. Like that, like if someone offered me free popcorn, like at a video rental store, I'd be like, "That's a definitive no." <laughs> it's a hard no. Like no. I like, that's like you take the little container and you chuck it right back at them. <laughs> well, no, it was like it was like a little like plastic make. I mean, like paper plastic make a ton of noise the second you touch it. Bags too. So that you could if they were very somehow. aerodynamic. That just made it worse somehow. They're super <laughs> aerodynamic. You could launch one of those things. Uh, it is happening again. We could use that one, Zach. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. That, that gum again. you like is coming back in style. Um, <laughs> the whole deer monologue, if I remembered it from Straight Story. Oh, God, that'd be great <laughs> if you can remember that whole thing. I have to drive this road to work every day, and every day I hit a deer. <laughs> Where do they come from? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, Zenger, this is a straight stretch of highway and just nothing in the distance, like fields. Like, you can see everything. <laughs> I am not a monster. Not a monster? That's a good one. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, there's some good ones. We should, have good Zenger, ones we should have Zenger on Cinematis when we eventually get to the Elephant Man. Sure, or um, Inland Empire. <laughs> oh, God, Z I'm pretty sure if Zenger, like, we ever made, if I, okay. A, I could not in any, like, oh, God, fair mind give Zenger, like, Inland Empire. Like, no, like, nobody, okay. like. That's the yeah, endurance test of the And movie. instead, we have him on just for rabbits. Oh, my God. Zenger <laughs> would just lose his mind. Zenger would these give up. These movies seem to artsy. Like, all of them oh, look Jesus. like these artsy okay, things. Okay, if you I'm say gonna... artsy, you've automatically conceded you're an imbecile. Like, that. I'm just saying, if you're an individual who calls a movie artsy, you've conceded that you are just, like, unrefined. No, this, like, dude, this whole know. thing seems like the people that came up to me when I was in high school was like, you need to watch Garden State. It'll change your life. I watched it and got violently <laughs> oh angry. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, that that was that's embarrassing. Like every well, part of that for who, for who, for you, everybody. for me, the listener, everybody. Like I feel bad right now. Zach Braff is not artsy. I want to launch him into the sun too. While I'm at it, uh, Zenger did did Garden State change your life, or did you never see it? No, it did. It changed me to be a very angry and jaded person. Okay, yeah, I don't really like that. <laughs> towards everybody who ever told me to watch it. Isn't isn't Natalie Portman like special needs in that movie? It's something like that, and his mom dies from like falling <laughs> into the dishwasher or something. I don't know. I don't want to remember any of that. Speaking of Natalie Portman special needs, Zenger, how many times have you watched Vox Lux? None. That well, is the never. incorrect answer. I don't want to watch Vox Lunch. What's it about? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what's the best line in cinematic history via Box Lux? Why are you pronouncing Box Lunch weird? Is it a sponsor? 
Are you are you thinking of the of the um yes. her and Jude Law in the hotel? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm thinking about her and the sister line. Oh God! I don't know why I went to the Jude Law one first. <laughs> you did say, say the Jude Law one too, like that. Jude Law one's like, good. I don't know why I was thinking of that. You know the uh, you can fuck me a little while behind. Um, and, and then the uh, and then the says to the sister berating the sister when she's like I don't know coked out or, or drunk in that movie whatever she is she's like are you retarded because sometimes you get that look in your eye like the world's just happening to you. <laughs> can we can we please do Zenger? May I make a request? Can we do box lots on okay. the Zenger's podcast? <laughs> okay, a few things. The last few requests you have made, I have adhered to. You being on for a Dune episode. What was the other one? Us doing an entire discussion about Spider-Man. That's every episode of Zangus. <laughs> it, it does eventually turn into that now. Which is going to be funny because when that movie actually comes out, I'll probably not have you on for the episode just to make I it wanted, worse. I, I would love that like the weekend that No Way Home comes out, I convince Zanger to do a Vox Lux episode. <laughs> convince Zanger to shoot him, in, shoot him in the foot on the moment where like, Oh god, it's the most like just low hanging fruit like level of discussion possible. Okay, so it's Vox Lux. Yes, with Natalie Portman. Yes. Yeah, what you know your last thing. <laughs> it means voice of light. <laughs> and that's the Wait, is this the sequel to Black 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 Blonde? Black Swan? Sure. Sure. <laughs> that gets you to watch his shirt. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> it's got Raffi Cassidy in it. That alone should yeah. show you. Okay, off. okay, wait. So so the, the, the recommended other movies that are popping up are um, this is a true story. Every single someone, and it's an X-ray of someone with a hammer in their head. What? What is this? Like, what are you watching? I, no, because it's more like this, and it's uh, every single someone. Some new movie. I don't know what you're talking about. I, Look I've it never up. heard of that one. Look it up. The, 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 are you the getting post- these recommendations from um, Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on IMDb, and the other movie it's showing is uh, Jackie. Oh, I never seen that. <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Is in this? Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect tie-in, Zenger. Zenger, we can do Vox Lux on the weekend. Spider-Man No Way Home comes out because Vox Lux is features Willem Dafoe. But there does we go. Spider-Man. There we go. Perfect connection. <laughs> I dig it. I mean... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. There's a there's an actress in there named uh, Meg Gibson that's too close to Mel Gibson. Can't do it. We should do What Women Want featuring Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt on, on saying this podcast. You know what movie I remember Jude Law from the most? Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. No, um, where is it? God, I can't remember. Enemy at the Gates. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I, I, I never in a million years would have guessed that, but yeah, uh, not at all. <laughs> 10 nostalgia points to you, Zanger. Yeah, because it was like during a time where I was sitting there and I was like, oh, the History Channel will constantly keep showing stuff about World War II. Huh, there's this Russian sniper named Vasily Zaitsev. Huh, there's a movie that this Jude Law guy's in called Enemy at the Gates. This is not historically accurate. Zanger's <laughs> like, Jude Law? He was in Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, he's also in Sherlock with one of the MCU he's, people. He's... Oh, my God. <laughs> I like Jude Law. 
Can I just say that on the record? <laughs> I'm 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 indifferent. Zanger, put this episode out of its misery. Okay, fine. Oh, well, wait, there, I forgot was... he's Albus Dumbledore in the crimes of cinematic atrociousness. Yes. yes. <laughs> I've never seen Johnny that. Johnny Depp, Grindelwald. I live for that. God. Zanger, when were we doing the crimes of Grindelwald episode on Zangness? I thought we did. We didn't. <laughs> we did. We did Fantastic Beasts and Oops, I Lost Them. Oh. Zanger, anyway. I will put a gun to your head to get that episode out of you. <laughs> Which one? Vox Lunch or... Elephant Man. <laughs> All of them. We should do a Jude Law miniseries on Zangness. It will be me telling the story about how I know Enemy at the Gates, and then it's end of list. Uh, That's if, fine. if Zanger does not pick that up with you, Zach, we should totally do that on Cinemonics. <laughs> I would love to talk about Jude Law. Well, hey, 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 I got good news for you, Rob. Uh, plug Cinemonics, and you can have that idea. Go for it. Okay, well, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but I, I have to ask there's one question on your template that zach sent me so i could prepare for this episode that we did not ask oh yeah i avoided a few of them but go ahead would you partake of the spice <laughs> so i think this is going to be a little a little surprising after i read about you know the the dune lore of the spice, spice seems, like it's an upper. seems like it's a big upper i don't like uppers so i'm gonna say no to taking the spice <laughs> all right zach what about you it's also cinnamon flavored or cinnamon scented. <laughs> Is it flavored or scented? Scented. Like very different things. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it seems intriguing. Like, and you kind of don't have a choice if you're on Arrakis. So yeah, you become addicted if, to it just because it's just If you were there, there, like, I, I kind of like like blue glowy eyes. So, sure, why not? Ah, so you want the eyes of a bond. Awesome. Uh, also, the other side effects. You do get um, longer life. But, That's always a plus. But um, you are constantly addicted to it after you take <laughs> yeah. it. So, yeah. And and also, um, there's there's no cold turkey. Stop taking it. You just die. So, yeah. Oh, and if you take too much of it, you turn into like a weird fish person at the beginning of the David Lynch movie. That's if you take too much <laughs> of it. Now, okay, now oh, you remind me of that. Maybe I do want to take too much of it because those things look cool. No, like floating around space and stuff in the David Lynch movie. <laughs> no, they're floating around in, in sp oh way I forgot David Lynch movie. They they like travel through space to do. I Isn't there weapons in that movie that make your voice like a gun or something? This sounds familiar, but <laughs> right, Zach? Doesn't it? They have this. Someone's is someone screaming, or am I confusing that with something else? I maybe. Uh, or or maybe. are you just having prescience of me watching it screaming? Ooh, that could <laughs> could also be happening. I've taken too much spice this episode. <laughs> All right. Where can people find more from you guys? All right. Uh, thanks for having us, Zenger. It's always good to uh, to have you on here. I, I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but you can always hear Zach and I and Ben discussing things over on the Cinemodities podcast. It's a combination of cinematic and oddities. Um, right now we're in the end of November when this is being recorded, so there's probably like a little bit of Spider-Man left to come out. Um, but then in December, Zach and I are going hard into the the deep, deep lore of the Matrix movies. Um, I, I think I go a little harder than Zach sometimes, specifically in the Reloaded episode, but check out those because I, I got so much. I've been thinking about those movies for 20 years. They're good fun and uh, can't wait for the new Matrix to come out. Did I miss anything, Zach? No, um, okay. 
Yeah, check out Cinemonies if you want to hear uh, beyond just the Spider-Man Matrix nonsense. We did do an episode on Box Locks. We did an episode on <laughs> Jodorowsky's Dune, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the What Could Have Been Dune from the 1970s that was revolutionary. Um, yeah, as always, thank you, Zanger, even though we kind of uh, crapped on the titular topic. Uh, always a pleasure to come on the uh, Zangness podcast. It's a pleasure to have you guys and to answer the question that the people listening to this already know, but the people recording it don't. I'm probably going to put this out on Black Friday. So, dear listener, when you are standing in line to buy something that is ridiculously <laughs> low priced and you have been there for an hour and 10 minutes listening to about 40 minutes of a vaguely terrible Dune discussion and then another probably 20 minutes of irate rambling, we just want to say thanks for listening. <laughs> That gum you like is coming back in style. (laughs) Anyways, we will see you next time with another nerdy topic. the show.